Hey, my name is Dee Thompson, and thank you for joining me for Sisters Doing Life Together podcast. On this podcast, I will have candid conversations with amazing and courageous women like yourself who will share how the challenges they have faced have helped them to grow deeper in their faith, become better sister friends, and the lessons they have learned. I hope you will be encouraged and inspired to experience the beauty of a loving and supportive community, which we call the sisterhood, and that you will continue to grow and your love and faith for Jesus as you open your heart to experience the power of His transforming love. If you haven't done so already, would you please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment if possible on either Apple, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And when you subscribe, you will be notified of each new episode that will post on the 1st and the 15th of each month. If you would like to become one of our Sisterhood supporters, please take a moment to read the ways in which you can give in the episode description. I hope you will enjoy listening and being a part of this community where vulnerability is encouraged, transparency is celebrated, and freedom is where we have chosen to live. Hello, my name is Dee Thompson, and thank you for tuning in for today's episode of Sisters Doing Life Together podcast. If you're a first-time listener, I want to say thank you for tuning in. And if you're a returning listener, I want to say thank you for coming back to see what we have to say today. So on today's episode, my guest is Rhonda Chandler, and Rhonda is the CEO and the founder of Loving the Skin That I'm In. Our conversation today is going to center around the challenges that she and her family faced after relocating from Charlotte, North Carolina, and moving to De Pere, Wisconsin. What I didn't realize until after speaking with Rhonda is that Wisconsin is actually considered one of the worst places to live for African-Americans. After noticing that there was a lack of diversity at her children's school and discovering that her children were not only being bullied, but the brunt of racist jokes and comments, she realized that something had to be done. What she would discover is that there were other mothers who were having similar experiences. So she began building a community, which eventually led to her founding Loving the Skin That I'm In. Now, Loving the Skin That I'm In is a faith-based nonprofit organization, and their purpose is to empower black and brown girls ages 7 to 18. Rhonda's story is inspiring for several reasons. One is that she is helping young women to understand that they are truly fearfully, wonderfully made by God, according to Psalm 139, and that her story is proof that purpose can be birthed out of pain. I hope you will listen and enjoy the conversation and be inspired by her story. And if you would like to reach out to her, her information will be in the show notes. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Rhonda Chandler, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I know. And then when I mess up, Rhonda, you can fix it Absolutely. <laughs> and add to it. So I know that she is the CEO of a nonprofit faith-based org- organization It's called Loving the Skin I'm In, and she is based out of Wisconsin. She is a woman of faith, which is most important. She's a wife, and she is a mother. Now, is it two children, Rhonda? Three. Three children. Okay, so she has three children. And she can tell us a little bit more about her family as we go along in this conversation. I wanted to talk with Rhonda because I found out through a mutual person who we both know and love about this wonderful um, thing that she's doing in Wisconsin. And so I reached out to Rhonda and ask her would she be willing to come on and have a conversation with me. And she said yes. And so thank you, Rhonda, for coming on today and being uh, a guest and having a conversation with us. Thank you for the opportunity. So um, let me just start with, I, one of the reasons, Rhonda, that I started this podcast is because, one, I believe that there's something absolutely beautiful about women and friendships and connections. So as I was thinking about our conversation today, I said I wanted to do something a little bit different and ask you about 
friendship and connections and just learn a little bit more about you before we talk about what you're doing and the work that you're doing where you are. And so when you think of friendship, what comes to mind? Now, as I'm getting older, I see friendship as individuals that will pray for you, uh, that will support you, that will um, direct you to his word when you're struggling. Um, Friends that don't engage in gossip, um, but just really have your back and um, encourage you to put God first. I like that part, encouraging you to put God first. That is so key. And so when you talk about, you know, this is what I consider friendship looks like for me. Do you have that community for yourself? I do. I do. I really do. Um, I could say I'm in a good place um, at this time of my life. And I have um, women of faith who pray for me, pray for my family and who give me that guidance and, and direct me to God's word. That's good. Now, have you found it to be difficult? Um, well, maybe in different seasons. So I know that you say you're in a good place now. Did you find that when you were younger, whether it was easier or more difficult or maybe about the same in you know, developing community and having friendships? I think as I was younger, yeah. Like I, I didn't really understand like, friendship or that meaning. And I remember my mom would always say when I was younger, like, don't use that word so loosely, like, you know, Mm -hmm. or so casually, because not everybody is your friend. A lot of growing pains over the years uh, to understand that. And then I had folks that, you know, were a part of my life for a season and they were meant to be there. And then that relationship um, fizzled or, you know, we moved on to different things. Our our paths kind of changed. But I think growing up, just realizing uh, what friendship is or thinking that everybody's my friend and that's not the case or the, the definition, I think, is at different levels at different times in your life. That's good. I, one of the things that you said I thought was really good is understanding that you can have people in your life in one season of your life who are no longer uh, part of your life at a different season. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the person or with you. It's right. just that it was not, it's not like forever in life long. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think sometimes we can have difficulty in, in letting go of people in different seasons because we become really attached to people. Mm-hmm. And so when that season is supposed to be over or the relationship is not going to be the same as it has been in the past, we can take it really personally. Um, we don't want to let go. Um, yeah. And I remember having a situation in my life um, several years ago, probably maybe over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And I knew the season was up, but I was so loyal to the person. I just did not want to let that relationship go. Mm-hmm. And so finally, it didn't end well, unfortunately. Oh, wow. and, and when it didn't end well, I remember talking to God about it. Like, I don't understand why did it end that way? And he asked me a question to me. I'm just talking to God and he's talking to me. So what happens when fruit stays on a tree too long? Mm. And I, I'm like, well, God doesn't ask questions because he doesn't know the answer. And he said, it rots. He said, yeah. when you stay in a place too long, and then the way that it may have ended up, where it may have been really beautiful and sweet, it could turn to something other because the season is up. And so being mm-hmm. able to discern the seasons is something that's really important, even in our relationships. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Good. I want to talk to you. Oh my gosh. So I wanted to talk about the name of her nonprofit organization. I love it. It's called Loving the Skin I'm In. 
And I was sharing with her before we actually started this conversation that as a woman who's a dark-skinned woman, that I've not always felt that way. And so, and then I was telling her also, I was watching the uh, interviews with Viola Davis about the movie, The Woman King. And she talked about that they were very intentional. And when they were choosing the cast, and that they were going to choose women who were darker complexion, which is unusual in Hollywood. And so when you started this organization, well, one, what caused you to start it? And, and what was the vision that God gave you for this? So really, um, it was started for my, my daughters, my two daughters, and I also have a son. Um, but my girls were struggling here after relocating from North Carolina to the Green Bay area. Um, it's not a very diverse area, and they were primarily the only females and male Black children in their classes. Um, mm-hmm. I think the community that we live in is like less than 1%. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, they they really struggle to acclimate to this area. Um, I jokingly tell people, but it's not a joke. I was like, we integrated our neighborhood. Like we were the first Black family in this neighborhood in 2015. Oh, in 2015. That wasn't that long ago. No, no. So, yes. So um, they just really had a hard time adjusting uh, to the area and, you know, just a lot of microaggressions, racism, ignorance, assumptions, conversations about them to them. So they they just I, I didn't know what to do. They were just really having a hard time being the only one in this community or, you know, so we took for granted being in Charlotte and just having, you know, access to everything. And then coming mm-hmm. here. So it really started for them because they were struggling and I was trying to find resources to support them. Didn't find any type of programs in our immediate area for them. So that's really how it, how it started. And you said that you integrated your community, 1% African-Americans in your, in your, I guess, in your city and your area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what, what took you to that area? So my husband's job relocated us. Oh, yeah. yeah. So okay. yeah, we came because of his job. Yeah, it's been life changing. <laughs> I can only imagine like going from Charlotte, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina, um, where some people can compare it's like the little Atlanta. Absolutely. And then, and then moving to a place where it's 1% of the people who look like you. Uh-huh. And so I know that you said you started it because what your children were experiencing in school. So what were some of the things that you recall that caused you to say, I have to do something? I noticed with my older daughter, just a lot of challenges in her behavior, trying to be accepted, trying to fit in Mm -hmm. uh, with kids. And then when my youngest got to fifth grade, although we didn't know this until her sixth grade year, she started having um, issues at school where, you know, kids were calling her the N-word or they were being referred to as slaves or um, comments about their hair. If, you know, when I did her hair or, you know, co- questions about her hair, is it real or things of that nature. So once my youngest uh, started experiencing things, I was like, OK, we got to do something different. We have to have a different approach. Um and I, I I didn't have a relationship with the school, so I really didn't feel like they would believe me. Mm-hmm. 
if I went and, you know, said these things are are happening. And, um, I, you know, so I just, I, I decided to take matters into my own hands. I am a social worker. So I put on my social work hat and just kind of, you know, said, well, what, what could I do? Like what, if this was a client, like what would I try to do for this client? So really, I just I opened my home to other girls um, and we started meeting here at my house in the basement. That's really. Wow. Yeah, that's how it all started. Like I just started meeting other families in the community at church and somebody knew somebody and it was just kind of like a domino effect. So um, I kind of held an interest meeting at my house in February. Of, I think it was February like 2019. Okay had an interest meeting with some folks and they came over and we started chatting and brainstorming from there. And then, you know, we would meet regularly, probably monthly or so. And then, of course, uh, COVID hit. So we had to pivot and start uh, checking in virtually. It pays to have a mom who's a social worker. <laughs> I guess. Well, some days they may say yes and some days, you know, it may not be in their favor, but... Right. <laughs> so how old were they? I know you said your one your youngest was like six, five or six. So no, she, how old that she was seven. She was going was she seven. was in second grade when we got here. And okay. then the older two were seventh grade and ninth grade. So what twelve and fourteen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So so you start having like these interest groups and people are coming and you see that okay, we're not the only family that is going through this and so how do you decide to take it from home meeting interest group to it's now a nonprofit organization? So it was really during this COVID time where we all were, um, you know, just separated and here and stuck in our homes. But I think the main thing, too, um, just to kind of double back a little bit, um, I started since I moved here, I really started like journaling um, the church that we attend just they really encourage you to journal and just really to, you know, get deeper into your word and um, your relationship with God. And a, a lot of times I would just write in my journal, like, what is my purpose? God, what is my purpose? Like, why did you bring me and my family to Wisconsin? Like what, you know, what is it that um, you really want me to do? You know, I know it's because of Richard's job, but I'm like, what? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? So um, it was kind of during this whole COVID time and then witnessing the murder of George Floyd. I kind of it was like that was my aha moment. And um, I started working on establishing it as an organization and as a nonprofit. Okay, And so. How many girls, because what I was reading is that the girls are between the ages of 13 and 17. Is that correct? They are actually younger. So we do um, have girls ages 7 to 18. We have a few that are a little younger, but actually we feel like 7 is more appropriate for the girls. The 7 to 18 are the ages that we serve. Okay. And so what do you do for these young ladies? I know that they're talking about loving the skin that I'm in, but what are some of the things that you do with the organization that helps them to get to the place where when they look in the mirror that they see the beauty, that they, the beautiful young women that they are? So um, right off the bat, it's just, you know, and I tell people like when you come to a meeting, 
you just have to experience it. We meet at a local church. You just you just have to um, you just have to witness it to experience the feeling. But my one thing is like drama, just leave it at the door before you come in. Like we you know, we're not engaging in um, calling each other names or putting each other down. Our goal is to empower and uplift. So, you know, you come in, you see your friend, your sister. I love your locks. I love your twist. You know, we're, we're going to uplift and compliment one another. Um, but one of the things that we actually did when we started this new school year is we did an affirmation exercise where the girls and the parents, um, we, we break out into different sessions and the girls and the parents had opportunities to develop affirmations and they created boards, poster boards with affirmations. And then um, this last meeting, we took it a step further and I brought in full length mirrors so that the girls and the adults could practice saying those affirmations in the mirrors. And then they also um, said them to one another. And then we kind of, you know, we're in a rotation. Um, so really encouraging them to build one another up to choose positive words because, you know, the world can be cruel, as we know. So, you know, we we can't expect others to always lift us up or be loving, but we have to love ourselves. And then when we do, then we know what we will and what we won't allow into our lives. So um, those are just, you know, that's just kind of one of the exercises um, that we do, but really just trying to create a positive atmosphere for them. No, no drama. We get all of that all the time. So um, really just trying to create that safe, drama-free and peaceful environment for them. So you said something about the full of mirror standing in front of it and doing affirmations. So can you tell me what have you seen? Was it difficult after, you know, especially when you haven't had people affirming you to stand in front of a mirror and to say words that maybe you don't even believe at that time, but you're being told that. Have you seen what were some of the things that you witnessed when you saw these women and you said even their parents are coming? Um, so, yeah, it was it, it was kind of emotional um, because I think, you know, we say these things in our head um, or we may um, say them out loud when we're driving to work or in the car or wherever. But to actually look at yourself and say this in a mirror, it was just it was emotional um, and even saying that to other females, other parents. It just really got to got to me emotionally. And, you know, some of the parents expressed that they were uncomfortable or they were embarrassed or, mm -hmm. you know, they haven't been um, consistent in saying it to themselves or really at all to themselves, but trying to be more consistent to say it to their daughters. So yes. I'm like, we have to say it to ourselves to believe it in order to say it to our children. Absolutely. And the other thing that I find too, Rhonda, uh, and you correct me since you're doing this work, is that oftentimes we can tell how we're uncomfortable with saying it, by how we receive compliments. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, that there was a time in my life that every time somebody said something that was complimentary to me, I felt as though in my head I had to respond instead of just saying thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead of receiving. So, yeah. Yeah. So being able to receive that uh, or somebody say, 
you look nice today or something, something nice about you instead of saying, thank you. You're just trying to figure out like, now how do I return that? Because you don't feel necessarily um, that you feel that way about yourself. So I think, I think the beauty of what you just described to me was not only are you dealing with the young women and you're setting up them up for not having to stand for things that maybe someone would have if they're not known who they were, mm-hmm. uh, their value, their worth, that they are beautiful. But you're also going back and reaching back and you're getting their parents as well who probably never had anybody to affirm them and to tell them that they were beautiful and that your hair, your locks, your skin, the different tones. And so I, I think that it's so beautiful that you're not just joining with the young women, but you're joining with the, their parents as well. Absolutely. Yep. We, we all need that. I think, you know, we all have some trauma. We all have some baggage that has been unresolved. So it's about uplifting and empowering and educating the adults as well. Because I just feel like you can't just work with the kids and expect different. And then they go back home and the same thing is happening because right. the parents aren't a part of it. I know that, you know, I think it was on the 24th of September, if I'm not mistaken, that you had this event that I saw that you had it on Instagram. So tell us a little bit about that event. Was it your first one? It was. Yes. So we were approached by an organization um, to do some type of event to celebrate Black women because of the recent with Judge uh, Katanji Brown and all, you know, yeah. and all of that. So they they did a luncheon to celebrate Black women in the Milwaukee area, which is a couple of hours away from where I live. So they reached out to myself and a couple of, of other organizations and said, hey, were you are you interested in doing some type of event to celebrate, you know, Black women? And I was like, yeah, like I know, you know, there hasn't been anything in this area to my knowledge. So I'm like, yeah, let's go for it. We just called it a celebration of Black women. It was a brunch. It gave us the opportunity to get together, to connect, to dress up and Mm -hmm. to just celebrate one another. We had three dynamic speakers that talked about self-care, Black women in the workplace and in education and just just celebrating your Black womanhood. Um, So it was just... I, I can't again the the vibe, the feeling in the in the venue was just unexplainable. So I was watching it. I saw when you were getting ready that morning and then I sent you a text and I'm praying for you today. And not, it was not, absolutely yeah. beautiful, like as you were setting up. And I was could only imagine because it was the young girls and the women both coming together, correct? So this was just for adult women this time. Just for adults. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't incorporate our younger girls this time. That is our goal for next year. But this was more focused on the adult women because outside of, you know, the parent support, we hadn't really done anything for the women. It's been, you know, focused more so on the girls. Now, the young women who become a part of this, like, do they have to fill out an application do you say that they want to be a part of it? Do you have like a screening process? Any of those? So on our website, if they're interested in participating or volunteering, there is a contact form or interest form and they fill that out. And then um, once I receive it, I respond, you know, to them. They're invited to a meeting. They have a schedule of when our monthly meetings are. And um, I just encourage them to come check us out. It's not mandatory, but I'm like, just just come check us out and see what we're about. We have some folks that are still, you know, apprehensive or not 
feeling like, you know, well, I don't know anybody. I don't want to just come. But I'm like, that's how you get to know people. Yes. And we have folks that show up and love it and, you know, have pretty much been coming with us or coming to and participating since we started two years ago. So do the young girls, are they in it for like a certain length of time or they can be in it until they're 18? They can be in it until they're 18. They can be in it for a month, depending on, you know, what works for them. If they feel like "Mm, it's not for me or my schedule, you know, may not allow because we do have a lot of our girls participate in sports and things of that nature. We don't put any restrictions on it. We just ask that information that we do share, especially with the adults, is confidential. So what we talk about stays at the meeting. We ask, you know, please don't put anyone's information or what they've shared, like on social media and things of that nature. But they they are welcome to come as regularly as their schedule allows. That's good. I like the fact about confidentiality as well, because then that gives people a sense of that what I say, I can be open and honest and vulnerable and all of those things that I don't have to wear the mask and tell you how I'm really feeling. Because oftentimes we can come into spaces. I've heard people say, well, that's not a safe place. And my thing is, it's not buildings that are not safe. It's people that are not safe. Exactly. People that you come into contact with. Absolutely. That is, that's really good. That confidentiality piece. And it teaches young women as well, the importance of not sharing things that they have not been given permission to share. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because we don't want people doing that to us. Then why do we want to do it to other people? Especially when we share something that's close to our heart. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So you said, and I wanted to go back to this, you said you were asking God, what is my purpose? And I'm thinking that there's a woman out there who may be asking God the same question, like, what am I supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can think that if we haven't been figured out by 20 or by 30. Oh, I know. (laughs) What's wrong with me? And everybody else seems to be finding the thing they're supposed to do. Supposed right. To. And then some people like feel like they're born with it. I knew I was mm-hmm. supposed to be this and you're still trying to figure it out. So when you realize, like, it's amazing. I'm thinking about this, that you went from Charlotte, North Carolina to Wisconsin to this community and found this is what you were supposed to be doing. And so now that you found your purpose, like, what does that feel like? And did you have, like, before that, you know, a struggle like, why do I know this? Or did you start having those feelings about purpose only when you move there? So right now it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like a job. Like I'm, I'm having a good time, except when I have to do the behind the scenes stuff. Like today I've been working on a budget all day. Um, But when I'm interacting with the families, with the girls and different things like that, it doesn't feel like work. Mm. And it ju- the time goes by so quick. We just turned two years old in September. So I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe, you know, we're actually two years old. But it, yeah, it doesn't feel like work. And it's so fulfilling. Like when I see those kids or parents share stories about their daughters participating in things or their, the progress that they're making, it's just like that. That's what does it for me. That's you know, I like I'm excited to hear like one example. We have a young lady, um, a friend of mine teaches dance here and a family that participates in an organization. They signed their daughter up to dance where my friend teaches. We had a we did like a summer activity and the girls got to go to the dance studio and take a quick little lesson from her. 
they've never had a Black dance teacher. Oh, wow. So just that, like representation. Mm -hmm. That's important. Yes. It sparked interest in this family and um, the mom signed her daughter up and she's been taking um, dance the past couple of years. And I've gotten to go to her recitals and just like watch her, you know. So it's just little things like that that just keep me going. I think I've always known that I wanted to help people. I did, you know, and like in doing all this work and like really focusing on myself all along, I really feel like God was preparing me for this. You know, even though I went into social work and I worked in different parts of social work. And in in a sense, I'm still doing social work. But I was like, I really think um, the different things that I've experienced, he was really preparing me for. I like that part where we don't sometimes understand like all of the different things that I did this, I did this, I did this. And when you find that thing that says, you said it's fulfilling and it doesn't feel like work, you're like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, I remember my eye doctor once said, um, I asked him a question. I said, well, how long have you been doing this? And he said, Ms. Thompson, I've never worked a day in my life. Wow. And to me, that was like, oh, my God. Like, he never, and I think he retired like 70-something is when he retired. And it wasn't because he had to retire. He just chose to retire. He's still healthy, still doing his work. Um, I really liked him. But he never considered what he did as work. And so finding that. And when I've had conversations with friends about purpose and what you're supposed to be doing, my friend used to ask me a question. She said, what if you... If money was not an issue, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And we would just have those conversations. I would do this, 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 and this, and this. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, okay. And so sometimes I think we, we don't step into it because we don't have the finances or we don't right. have all of it. We need to have X, Y, and Z in mm-hmm. order before we yes. do it. Yeah, like I just, I really just stepped out in faith and was like, okay, like we'll see how this goes. And really, you know, I didn't think it would get to this. I just thought it would be like a little household thing where we Mm -hmm. would just meet up, you know, every so often and we would get together and like do some activities. So it really wasn't even um, to this level. You know, I never in my wildest dreams that I think (laughs) I would be starting a nonprofit and going through that whole process of, you know, nope. I just thought, like I said, it would be like a little household group and we'd leave it at that. I see that is also, Rhonda, uh, a faith-based organization. So are there like biblical principles that are taught to you, are taught or with the young ladies that come in as well? So, you know, folks ask me about that and I say, it's because of my faith that this organization is here. Um, it's because of my obedience um, that this organization is here. Our meetings are primarily held at a church. So that's an avenue for folks to start coming to church, then so be it. And I, there's a family that has started attending after just coming to meetings. Good. I, no matter what, I, we, my husband and I, we pray for the families that need to come, that will come, that, that participate. You know, the parents know that about me, that, you know, I am a woman of faith, that I will be praying Um I don't try to, um, you know, force my beliefs or or faith on anyone. 
but mm-hmm. they know I share things. If the kids ask me to pray for them, I will pray for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they ask for scripture, I will. But we're not necessarily like holding a Bible study, you know, with the kids, but they know even some of our mentors. That's been like amazing to watch. So two of our mentors um, started attending the church where we have our meetings. One got baptized. One is on the worship team. Like, so just seeing, you know, I'm like, okay, God, however you God is just doing his his, his thing. Exactly. (laughs) So I'm just like, okay. So, you know, if they, if they've never stepped in a church before and then they start coming here and maybe, you know, because it is a pretty cool church. It has like this huge, like, play area for for the kids and everything so whatever you know excites them draws their attention and then they Mm want to check it out you know on a Sunday they certainly can but um yeah so when folks you know ask what what we by faith-based that's that's where that's my perspective of faith-based now is this your, your church as well where you attend it is the church that we attend. Yep, Life Church um, in, in West Appear. We've pretty much been going there since we moved here. And they okay. have graciously allowed us to use space there to meet. So you mentioned your husband, Richard. I don't want to not talk about the fact that um, you have a husband and that's why you're there. Um, so it's not just you. And right. I love the fact that you say you pray together for the families. And so tell me a little bit about Richard and how did you meet all of that good stuff? So, okay, it's not a typical meeting, but anyway, okay. he, he's an army brat. But okay. we actually met in a nightclub. So, okay. <laughs> You're um, not the only one. <laughs> we met in a nightclub um, probably literally a few weeks before I was graduating from undergrad in Connecticut. Okay. So, yeah, I was, I think we met, we actually met, this is crazy. We met like April 13th. Uh, was it 98, I think. And then our oldest daughter was born April 13th, 2003. So that's crazy. But um, so on the day that you met, your daughter was born like yeah. five years later. Exactly. Okay. Wow. Exactly. Our oldest daughter. But yeah, we met about a month or so before I was graduating from undergrad at a nightclub. A friend from high school asked me to go to this club with her and then his friend asked him to go to the club with him and we're not we're not club party people so um we just actually met and then we like danced and then we pretty much talked the whole time um at the club like yeah we're over sitting at a table having a conversation you know everybody else is dancing you guys just working the floor yeah everybody's working the floor my friend was working the floor his friend was working the floor (laughs) we're sitting over here having a conversation so and then we had, um, you know, a long distance relationship for a little bit because he went to he had to finish school and then I went to grad school in Georgia. But we we um, had a long distance relationship. And, then and how long have you been married now? It has been 23 years. I think it was in August. 23 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Yep. It was yeah. 23 years in August. He was military. So he went to Iraq for a year um, right before our. I had our oldest daughter. He left and was deployed and he came home when she was six months or so old. And then he came home for good right before she turned a year old. So, um, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, 23 years. Um, and he um, 
has really been my biggest, you know, supporter, biggest cheerleader, like go for it. He didn't even realize where this would go. So. I love it when God does something like that, though, right? It's so crazy. Right. Yeah. Like you take like this one step and you don't have to see the magnitude of what he wants to do. And then things start coming to light and he starts revealing things you like. And then sometimes you think, well, had he told me that, I don't know if I would have taken the first step. Right. <laughs> and so um, he gives it to us a little bit at a time. Yeah. And that's where you talked about your faith. It's like it was it took a leap of faith. To step out and then mm-hmm. do this and then continue moving forward. And then 2020, when we're in the midst of COVID, to do a pivot in some ways and say, okay, we're going to take it from the home and it's not just going to be something based in the home, right. but we want to expand it. And how mm-hmm. can we do this at a greater capacity? And not that you're changing the work that you do, but you're just wanting to reach more people. Absolutely. And I think that's absolutely beautiful, especially in a community that is not diverse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is really good. Yeah. So I have one question that I do have for you, though, is that okay. is this organization only based in Wisconsin or do you have, I know that you said it's only two years old, but is there like other affiliate organizations or just you? This is just it. Um, they There are other organizations like that, you know, but we are it. Yeah, we haven't branched out to try to do things in um, other states but there may be something similar, but this area and even, even other parts of Wisconsin, I have found, you know, when I was doing research for this organization, the bigger cities, Milwaukee and Madison, they do have um, some black girl programs, mm-hmm. but nothing here uh, in the Green Bay area where I am. And then we haven't expanded beyond this area. Okay. Well, as we're wrapping up, if you had, well, not if you had, you have women that are listening to you and they're trying to figure out, I'm afraid, I don't know, I'm not sure. What would the advice that you would give them if they feel like there's something in the heart they want to do, but they're just not sure that they should, if this is the right time, or maybe they're just afraid? I would just say um, really to pray about it. Pray about it, journal about it. Um, what is the scripture that God does not give us a spirit of fear? Fear. Mm-hmm. And um, surround yourself, you know, with those girlfriends that are going to pray for you, that are going to support you. Um, I've, I've just come into contact with a wonderful group of women who will pray for me and pray for my kids. They may not even know, you know, know my children personally, telling them what's going on and they will pray for my children. The, the morning of the brunch. My husband came and prayed with me at the venue. And then um, one of my friends that's on the board, she came and prayed with me before we started the event. So just just find your people, find those people that will cheer you on, that will support you, that will pray for you. Pray for your for your um, yourself. Ask God to direct your steps and to help you to find that purpose. And he will. He'll reveal it to you little by little. I would just journal and ask questions like, God, do you want me to meet this person? And he would just open up an opportunity, you know, for me to meet that person or to be able, you know, to participate in whatever. Like sometimes at night, he'll wake me up and give me an idea and I'll, you know, have to hurry up and either type it in my phone or, you know, try to uh, write it down. But he will give it to you. Just pray and ask, you know, he, he will give it to you. And it's not always when you're 21 or or 30 or, you know, but he will give it to you when he feels that you're ready for it. 
for me, it's like being in my fifties and and now doing something that I never would have thought that I would right. be doing. Um, and not saying I'm doing it perfectly, but right. you know the fact that I I get to have the beautiful experience of meeting women like you. Thank you so much. And other women who are doing something that God has put in their heart, and then they get to share it with other women because I truly believe one that our voices matter, and then I get to have a platform so that those women can share. Mm-hmm. And before we close, I do want to say this. You said something I thought just stood out. You said, find your purpose and find your people. Mm-hmm. That is so good. Mm-hmm. Finding your purpose means that I need to be asking God, what should I be doing? Mm-hmm. How do you want me to be do- doing yep. it? Um, surrounding yourself with your people. And I think a lot of times, even as we get older, sometimes we can say, I have enough friends or I don't need to have right. any more people in my life. And not close ourselves off to the benefit of having other people coming out of life who can help us in the purpose that God has for us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely need prayer partners. You need your prayer partners, yes. your prayer warriors. That is like so important. Absolutely. We have a, a group of women that we've been praying together, I think like six years now. Mm-hmm. And I have not met most of them. One of them is my really good friend and the she knew some women and then we started praying and we call yep. ourselves Warrior Women for Christ. And every Wednesday morning, Six o'clock our time here, five o'clock our time for those that are in Texas. And we get on the phone and we pray for people who mm-hmm. may never know us. Right. And we pray for one another. Mm-hmm. And so something's going on. And I feel such a connection to these women that some of them I've never met. Mm-hmm. So I've known them all my life. And if I needed something, I can call any of those women. So it is so important to yeah. have those people in your life. So yeah. find your purpose, find your people. Yeah. Just to piggyback real quick off of what you said when I yeah when I um moved here you know because my husband this was one of his things too to convince me to to move, make the move well you you don't you won't have to work if we if we take this opportunity and I'm like at this point the kids were big and I'm like well I've gone to school for this degree I'm not gonna just sit around and not use my degree you know right <laughs> I put some effort in this I'm gonna exactly, use this exactly but right. that way of well come let's let's do this and you won't have to work I, you know, we came and I we got connected to our church. And so I started participating in different life groups. And I did. I found those women, like you said, and we have pretty much been in different life groups together or, you know, ministered together. So now what we do is we communicate via Marco Polo and, mm-hmm. we, you know, we read different um, books of the Bible. So now we're going through the Psalms. We've done like proverb studies and things like that. And um, it's it's four of us. But yeah, so they, you know, they pray for me and my family and, you know, ups and downs and vice versa. They pray. For, we pray for each other's marriages and all of that. So that's that's key. That has just been life changing. Absolutely. I agree. And so thank you again, Rhonda, for coming and talking with us and you know, ending it with it about how important it is to have women in your life who pray for you and your people. One of the things that I say is that when we belong to a sisterhood, that we don't have to do life by ourselves. Absolutely. And so I'm so thankful that I, I don't have to, you're not doing it. And I'm hoping that the women who are listening to this particular episode, if they don't have their community, that they open up their heart and go looking for your community as you pray. Mm-hmm. Um, be willing to add one more person to that group that you may already have for community. Like, I don't need anybody else. That you don't know the beautiful thing that can be added to your life and that person's life or what you can add to theirs as well. For sure. Yep, definitely. 
Thank you for listening today. I hope you were able to take away something from the conversation that Ron and I had. And so I hope you tune in again and listen to that Sisters Doing Life together. Until next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. If we're not connected yet, please follow me on Instagram at sisters underscore doing life together. And finally, will you please consider becoming a financial supporter? The ways to contribute are in the episode description. I hope you will tune in again and listen. And if you are looking for a sisterhood, I welcome you to Sisters Doing Life Together. Because when you have a sisterhood, you never have to do life by yourself. Until next time.